0: The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello
1: welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. The uh, last 442 Insider podcast of the season 6 of the A-League. What are you going to say ever then? No. Is, are you going <laughs> to tell me on air? <laughs> We're
2: folding the podcast. You're fired.
1: Goal, <laughs> um, Alan, Sugar then. Yeah. Uh, I'm publisher, not editor. Publisher Andy Jackson. Joining me is editor Trevor Trahan. Brilliant start. Hello. Feels like I'm editor sometimes. Brilliant. Uh, how you doing mate? I'm very well. yourself? Yeah, I'm alright. We are going to kick off by doing a little bit of a wrap up of the uh, preliminary final in the A-League. But then also Champions League last 16 second legs started this week. Uh, we've got a few happy Spurs fans in our office. So mm. we'll uh, we'll talk about that for as little time as possible shortly. <laughs> um, so let's kick off, uh, Trev. Uh, Central Coast uh, prevailed in their preliminary final. 1-0 against the Gold Coast. Uh, Adam Kwasnick goal was the difference. Um, not a great game, so it certainly wasn't a classic.
2: No, nah, no, nah, not a cl- you know, Quite often, close. He gets to the final, more intent than people are on just not losing this game and <laughs> taking it from there. So no, it wasn't a classic. I mean, a few chances, though. Um, some, some great saves as well, which um, helped out Gita had, had a really good opportunity, didn't he? Um, So, you know, it it could have gone either ways, but sort of heading into the last 15 minutes, you just felt that Central Coast were going to make the sort of home advantage count, weren't you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I thought uh, defensively, I thought the Mariners were very sound from keeper Matt Ryan, who uh, we'll talk about the awards later, but was, I think, a deserving winner of Young Player of the Year. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly not just the double save that everyone's talking about, but I think the thing for me that... Was really impressive for a lad of 18, 19. Was in the last 10 minutes when the Gold Coast went a little bit route one and were throwing balls into the box. Yeah. In that sort of scenario, a one goal lead, you could forgive him for staying on his line and sort of shouting at his central defenders to clear it, but yeah. he came for every ball positively, took, took every ball, well, really caught well. it cleanly, and I just thought that was uh, very good to see. And Svansvig, again, was was just a rock at the back for the Mariners. He's had a fantastic season, has not
2: he? Yeah, I mean, look, they've been great all season at the back, um, You know, but you know, Matt Ryan backed up that solid performance with, as I said, a couple of really, really good saves, so he's not just sort of dining out on a good defence, I don't think. he's He's got talent in his own right as well.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um... One thing that was a bit surprising was the crowd there. It was a bit disappointing for for a sudden death, given that you'd have hoped that over the course of the season the Mariners would have built. You know, you sort of remember back a couple of years ago in in similar situations they were getting they were nearly selling out Blue Tongue. You know, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen thousand to see. I think it was just seven and a half thousand. There was a bit disappointing, but yeah, I I, I don't know
2: if you can point it to the the finals format a little bit. I mean, it's a month-long our finals. Isn't it? I mean, maybe this game really feels like, you know, the two legger against uh, Brisbane feels like a, a far bigger game. And obviously, the grand finals are showpiece. And this kind of one stuck in the middle
1: doesn't seem it's still sudden death, turn. though, isn't it? It seems either.
2: It is, yeah. And no, I mean, I've, I'm interested. I'm just trying. Going through
1: up. or going home. I'm yeah. trying to
2: figure out why. Other people weren't as interested in it, um, and yeah, I, I don't know if they, if they were just sort of you know gearing themselves up for the grand final rather than going. And also, that was their last home game of the season. Yeah. You know, they knew they were yeah. going to have to go away to Brisbane last week. So yeah, it's a it's a pretty disappointing crowd.
1: So yeah, it wasn't a classic. However, you'd probably say on the looking at the season as a whole. Yeah, it was the right result. We're going to see the best two teams in the league contest the grand final, which is, which is, yeah. Incidentally, I think someone was, I saw someone say that in season one is the only time that first hasn't played second. Yeah. In the grand final. Yeah. Is that right? So yeah, it works. Yeah. It <laughs> can't complain. Would Newcastle finish runs up to the Mariners though, when, that, when it was that final? Maybe it was that. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember. I don't know, but anyway, I think it's only once. I'm sure, where, everyone will tell us. I think it's only once where it hasn't been one v two, which sort of suggests that the finals system works. You know? Yeah,
2: you still get the big showpiece at the end. But then it also suggests fair.
1: that maybe you should just play one v two for the for the toilet Top seat at the end of the season.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, all right, well look, we're going to have a we're going to preview in section four the the grand final uh, and give it the weight it deserves. But um, I think mean, it sets up a great showpiece up in the up in Brisbane this sunday it is not a saturday night this year it's sun late sunday afternoon so we'll uh, we'll get on to that later in the piece um UEFA Champions League yes yesterday saw barcelona beat arsenal 3-1 two goals from Lionel Messi one a penalty one a sublime finish and a goal from Xavi uh it wasn't always as comfortable as the sort of the final scoreline suggested because arsenal got back into it a one all with an courtesy of an own goal yeah And for that period, uh, you'd probably say from then until Van Persie got sent off, um, Arsenal were right in this, True?
2: They were right in it in a situation sense, as in, you know, when you're away from home and you know the weighting of of your goals. Um, But yeah, they were certainly, you know, a chance to kind of break away and they've got an incredible on the break game away from home. Um, But I mean, the stat that's been sort of wielded out by everyone, particularly Tottenham fans, is the amount of shots on goal. What, zero? That they've had. Zero, yeah, <laughs> which you know doesn't suggest that they deserve to get anything from the game, which, you know, red card or not, which was harsh. We have to yeah, it. I mean, let's
1: talk about that. I mean, Van Persie got a second yellow for, for shooting one second after being flagged for offside, yeah. which in a crowd of, I think, 98,000 that were all whistling, I think is a little bit harsh. Yeah. I think, you know, particularly when the referee knows he's on a yellow card, if he if he, if he's given a free kick against him and he kicks the ball away and stops Barcelona taking a free kick, fair enough, you know it's second yellow. But for within pretty much the same motion, turning and shooting, yeah, you know, when the referee can just as easily add on thirty seconds. Yeah, know, for the time that that's taken, he's not wasting time. No, you know? exactly. I thought it was very disappointing. The to- um,
2: the Tottenham fan we were watching the game, we've watched the super super slow mo replay, and then claims that Van Persie would have heard it rather, <laughs> 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 whilst not being at the stadium, unaware of how quite how loud it is. When but also,
1: when when you're in a crowd that is renowned for whistling, yeah, you know, sure. that's what, you they, know, do, that's what yeah, they do. Yeah. Imagine a scenario if Van Persie stops for fear of being sent off, and the referee hasn't blown. Yeah, you know it's yeah. like one of the first rules you're taught as a as a kid is you know play to the whistle. If there are ninety eight thousand whistles, <laughs> which one are you playing to? You yeah, know, I think I think there's got to be a bit of latitude from the referees in that scenario because uh, it just doesn't. It, again, you know we're talking about a refereeing decision rather than a fantastic two-legged game of football between two fantastic sides.
2: And also, if the, if the ref hadn't booked him, we wouldn't be talking about, oh, you know, he shot it too late, Van Persie... No one would have noticed because that uses a little bit of reasonable common sense.
1: Yeah. All right, the other game uh, yesterday saw uh, Shakhtar Donetsk comfortably uh, take care of, uh, of Roma at home with, uh, with a 3-0 win, goals by Hutchman, Willian, or it's probably pronounced Villian, uh, Eduardo... <laughs> Uh, saw them comfortably through Roma in all sorts of trouble. Obviously got rid of Ranieri, of point the caretaker coach. Um, and they crashed out I think 6-2 on aggregate. So um, Italian football in all sorts Italian of trouble. they lost
2: their place now, haven't they, Serie to Germany? they're on they, decline. they lost their, their, their fourth place, um, which now goes to the Bundesliga, based on how they've done this season. I mean, they only just survived it last season because Inter won it. If Inter hadn't have won it, I believe even if Inter had lost in the final... Um, Italy would have lost their, their extra place in the Champions League. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought, you know, Milan didn't score, you know, we'll get into that in a minute, but they didn't score over either legs, home and away, yeah. um, against a Tottenham team that hasn't been able to defend all season. Um, and, yeah, Roma got thoroughly smashed in both legs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, talk about decline. I, th- I think it's been steadily going that way for some time, is not it? Yeah I
1: don't either. uh Tour of Germany And the success Of the German team Schalke uh, Beat Valencia 3-1 In second leg They had a one-all draw um, From the first leg uh, This was made interesting With uh, Valencia Taking the lead On 17 minutes With, with Costa um, But then Schalke Got an equaliser Just before half-time From Farfan And then uh, Got a second From Gavranovic On 52 minutes And then Farfan Sealed the deal In injury time So Schalke Progressed To the uh, to the quarterfinals, um, and Raul. Bit of dark horse, possibly as well. Raul, the chance to extend his phenomenal scoring record in the Champions League and appearance record in the Champions League as well. Yeah. All right, let's talk about it. Spurs, <laughs>
0: Spurs, <laughs> the the nil nil, you, nil, nil you, you draw
1: with AC Milan, which sees them go through to the uh, to the quarterfinals. Um, from their perspective, you know, a phenomenal twenty four hours with Arsenal going out and Spurs getting further than Arsenal in the Champions League. I mean, we you know we joke about it because we've got a lot of Spurs fans in the office yep. that are unbearable at times. However, it is a phenomenal achievement, yes, that they've done you know to get this far. The first attempt, um, you know, without breaking the bank to do it, you yep. know, they've done it with pretty much with the squad that they qualified with. Bar Van Der Vaart, who's been a revelation, but they haven't gone out and spent fifty, sixty, seventy million. No, um, and controversially, <laughs> over the two legs. As you said, two clean sheets. Not really what we know Spurs for.
2: Well, no, I mean they conceded six against Wolves and Blackpool in the last week. So to, to, ke- to keep out Milan, um, yeah, it's really, really impressive. Yeah, that, I mean, this morning's game wasn't, you know, it was a pretty dull affair for neutrals like me and you. The only way we made it more unbearable is by watching it with two Tottenham fans out the yeah, back. Yeah,
1: seeing them go through the ringer.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, yeah, what, what Tottenham's done... You know, incredible. If, if we're going to talk about the Premier League later on, but in fairness, it looks quite difficult that they're going to make it through a game. But the key here was that they topped their group. Yeah. Arsenal didn't. Yeah. And, and Arsenal should have. They were, you know, they were absolutely cruising and they got a load of, you know, futile results at the end. Ended up coming second, ended up with Barca. Um, you know, Tottenham were, were consistent throughout the group, ended up topping it. And you get a Milan team that's off the boil, to say the least. So that's, that's why they're progressing further. And there's a few teams that are going to be in the quarterfinals that Tottenham would fancy their chances of being. I mean, you remember Leeds made the semis, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Not so long I ago. Mean, do
1: you think this is just another example of sort of Harry Redknapp for all the talk about it, there's no, you know, there's no tactics. It's just got to, that he's a little bit smarter than people give him credit for. Yeah, I mean... You I know, don't, it, because it, it, I think if you, were, if you were sort of the Milan coach or the player... You, you might have expected them spurs to go hell for leather in the first 15 20 minutes and try and kill the game off because yeah. of the way spurs play particularly at home and they sort of didn't do that they were very measured happy to have the ball and even you know like even in the last sort of 10 or 15 minutes yeah. they were comfortable in possession at the back finding angles they weren't in any hurry to get the ball forward and i think that i think that might have surprised milan i think milan sort of maybe set up to hit them on a counter attack yeah and didn't really get that chance because Spurs didn't commit as many men forward as, as they thought. They were happy to try and find that link between Crouch and Van der Vaart consistently. But I sort of thought that Lennon didn't, get, didn't operate as far forward as he might have done.
2: Yeah. And also, I, I think, yeah, Red Knapp has got a lot of tactical knowledge. I mean, I remember him at West Ham... We went. I've mentioned this before, but when we went away to Manchester United in the cup and won one nil, it's the best tactical performance I've ever seen by a manager in any game because he took a not very good West Ham team to Man U and we won and we just we were just tight across the pitch and everyone did their job and you know Man U weren't prepared for us and and I I think he's happy to just be well despite the comment he made when someone said he's a wheeler dealer but I think he's ha- he doesn't feel the need. To kind of like chat about tactics in a way that some managers do to make everyone feel like they're one of those real tactical managers. I think he's happy to know that he's got tactical ability and yes. just you know put that across. I I know Van der Vaart made those comments earlier in the season. Now he doesn't spend ages with tactics. Yes. I think he keeps it simple. I don't think it's not like you get a Mourinho dossier at the beginning of the week. I think he keeps it simple, but he knows what he's doing within that simple framework. Well,
0: I think
1: yeah, you know, he made a, he made you know a, a subtle change from the from the personnel from the first leg in the, the first leg. He went with the sort of two holding midfielders, you know, with Sandro and Palacios,
0: wow.
1: you know, with a view to probably them sitting really compact and breaking up play. Yeah. And in the home leg, he went with Sandro and Modric, and I think that was to, to keep the ball better, you know, because Modric, his distribution is significantly better than Palacios. Yeah. Um, and I think that was a sign of sort of confidence that they were going to try and keep the ball. They weren't necessarily just. I think they went away set up to hit them on the break, yeah. which was two old in midfielders. Lennon getting forward as quickly as possible and trying to move the ball forward. They didn't do that today. They were they were quite happy to sort of build up a bit slower through the midfield.
2: Um, yeah, first England manager into the Champions League quarterfinals ever. Really, I know. Yeah. Just, I was right. just chatting about it on, on Twitter. before. I suppose O'Leary
1: was Irish, wasn't he? Yeah,
2: O'Leary was Irish, and then, you know, there's, there's been plenty of you know, Scottish and foreign managers that uh, have done well. So, yeah, I mean, you, you wonder why England manager's done poorly, slash not been appointed in recent years. It's because they've not done a lot at the club level.
1: Fair play. So, uh, congratulations to all you uh, Spurs fans out there. Great result. And it looks like you're going to have to win it to qualify again. So, uh no pressure (laughs) anyway that's all for part one Uh, we'll be back in section 2 to have a look at some of the main headlines on our website au.442.com
0: the new issue of 442 is now on sale and it's a Master and Apprentice special with worldwide exclusive interviews with Messi and Maradona and look at whether Messi could be called the greatest ever yet we also catch up with local heroes Matt McKay and Patricio Perez and look back on the Socceroos Asian Cup campaign in pictures we take you to London for the inside story of Aussie and Kiwi hopefuls, taking part in Nike's The Chance initiative, and take a look at whether tactics are overrated in football, plus the regular planet football and performance section, with additional video and photo features in the iPad edition. On sale now at all good news agents or the App Store. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to this week's
1: 442 Insider podcast. We are going to look at some of the news headlines from our website au.442.com Big Monday morning, catching up on all the uh, gossip and uh, awards from the A-League Awards that we were at, Trev. Yep.
2: Uh,
1: I certainly wasn't having a big morning. It I wasn't was a, a morning, big morning it, no. It was an <laughs> awful morning. Yeah, I think we've, we finished about 4.30 in the morning, um, which was a very big night. But the main awards went to uh, Marcos Flores, who was a deserved winner of the uh, Johnny Warren Medal. Was this a surprise, Trev? Did you...
2: Well, I mean, it was between three players, wasn't it? The, the, the two Britton and in in and, Mac- and McKay, and um, and Flores, um, it's one of those awards that's difficult to argue with, isn't it? Because it's player voted, and these guys, yeah. you know, have seen these guys up close. He was yeah, he was a, he out. was a
1: decent winner as well. You know, there was over uh, you know 100, 120 votes between him and uh, and Browich in second.
2: Yeah. Yeah, look, no, I don't think anyone's complaining. He's a really good guy as well, isn't he? Yeah, he's got, he's quality. He's getting a really good reputation for, for being a down-to-earth guy. It, it's a shame that it's probably the last we've seen of him if the MLS rumours are right. But, yeah, look, did, you know, deserved winner. And good to see, you know, the competition, those top three, they're three very good players that
1: could have easily won it on, you know, other years. Okay. Uh, the golden boot, Reebok golden boot, was won by Sergio van Dijk with uh, 16 goals. Uh, goalkeeper of the year was uh, Michael Theoklatos from Brisbane Raw. The NAB Young Footballer of the Year was Matthew Ryan, as we talked about, from the Mariners. No surprise to the coach of the year, Ange Postacoglu. There was a bit of debate over the goal of the year. Nah,
2: not happy about this.
1: I tipped part to lose because I just thought, Team goal. I would always take a team goal over an individual one, but there was a lot of support for uh, Alex Terra's overhead kick. Not surprisingly, Trev, you thought that one.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I only didn't know it won because um, Scott Mum was whinging about it outside. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't, uh, you know. And I'm completely with Scott on that. I think that's uh, that's madness that he didn't win. I mean, not not taking anything away from any of the goals that were nominated, but yeah, Alex Terra definitely.
1: Uh, fair play awards went to Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Referee, of the year, Breezer, Referee of the year, Matthew Breeze. Referee of the year, Matthew Breeze. National, <laughs> youth, yeah, national <laughs> youth league player of the year was Stephen lusticka from the Gold Coast. Um, so, so, to- so Trevor, on the whole, you'd look at those and say fair result, really. Apart from maybe the goal of the year. I mean, yeah, obviously as okay. coach of the year was probably assuring. Yeah, exactly.
2: Do, do they know they've won it before? Because otherwise, Sergio Van Dijk was the only person who definitely knows he's won his award as top scorer.
1: I don't. I don't think so. I don't, no, I don't know. You wouldn't want it, would you? Because
0: it makes it, um...
1: I guess it's one of those though that if you like, let's say for goal of the year, if you're Im- urged to attend, yeah, <laughs> you probably yeah. sort of think, oh, hang on a minute, <laughs> maybe I'm in with a shot. Um, all right. Some of the other news: Kaya Simon, obviously the. Uh, the W League Awards were there as well and uh, player of the year was Kaya Simon um, and she talked to Aidan and was looking forward to the World Cup four months away yep um, they've just had their first camp uh, and they've got a number of camps between now and heading to Germany um, so she was player of the year young player of the year and golden boot mm. so Th- not much better than that really
2: this is one of the things I was uh, chatting to Tom Samani about recently is the average age These girls, um, they're 22. 22 is the average age of the Matilda squad, and they've got players all the way down to 16 um, who are playing. When their sort of previous average age in, in the last last World Cup, I think, was closer to 26, so they've really regenerated the team well, and it's never been better. And she's a you know perfect example of it.
1: Yeah. OK, well, we wish the girls all the best. We'll, uh, Aidan will actually be heading down to, uh, to one of their camps at the AIS soon to do a big feature for the uh, World Cup preview issue. And we'll be uh, obviously following the girls throughout the tournament. So uh, well done to Kai, Simon, and uh, good luck to the girls in the World Cup. Uh, well, things might be going right on the pitch for Brisbane, um, but off the pitch it's a different story as we're beginning to come accustomed to. Um, the FFA are, are on the verge of stepping in and taking over ownership of the Brisbane Roar immediately after the grand final, when the current owners confirm that they will be pulling out of the club at the end of this season. Mm. Uh, Trev, again, not ideal that you know the dominant team in the in the in the domestic league can't seem to turn a profit, and um, you know, and the owners are, are looking for a way out.
2: Yeah, I mean, everywhere you turn, it it feels like the latest news is money problems at the moment Um, they would have been aware when they pulled the plug on North Queensland that they had Brisbane struggling Um, hopefully Sunday is going to act as a bit of a a showpiece to get someone else in I mean if you are potentially interested in investing in a club going to watch them you know best team in the league host the grand final in front of hopefully over 50,000 people it's a good opportunity to to invest yeah I mean people have come in and and saved other clubs and they managed to get back in for Adelaide um and hopefully yeah, they the, can I do mean, the you know, same The
1: FFA, Ben Buckley was pointing to you know the success in Newcastle and Adelaide um I and mean, I think that the Newcastle one is probably a little bit different because the FFA didn't ever really take ownership of Newcastle it was uh, you know simultaneously really con leaving and and Nathan Someone came taking in yeah over. but Adelaide certainly they they ran for a best part of a season if not more um, before the new owners, but then you could just easily point at, to North Queensland Fury and say that the FFA have owned that this year, and yeah, I think do a similar job there.
2: With all due respect to to North Queensland, I think currently you know Brisbane are a, a far more attractive proposition for a potential investor, and it, it's more likely that there is going to be someone based in Brisbane with the the money and desire to take them
1: over. Yeah, um, well, one uh, somebody that doesn't appear or a family that doesn't appear <laughs> short of money is. Uh, sports-mad, wealthy and politically powerful Bakri family from Indonesia are said to be interested in buying an A-League club. Uh, this is another one of Aidan's story. The family, um, Indonesia's 10th richest, worth a couple, Which is of, a lot. couple of billion. <laughs> Top ten's um, good. A couple of billion US dollars. Uh, they own the Indonesian Super League club, Pulita Jaya, um, and they recently purchased a 20% share in Leicester City. Um, so they're looking to, uh, to get into the A-League. Now, Trev, I mean, yeah, you know, where do you? What's your thoughts on this? I mean, there's well, two this ways is our discussion was not it? it,
2: after the awards? Uh, yeah. Our lengthy um, discussion in terms of money versus finding a model that works without money.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, what I found quite yeah. interesting about this story was that it was our most read on the website. Yeah. As in, you know, just that headline, something about money. Someone's got money, have they? People were pouring in to read about. Um, and there's some people that have a school of thought that we just need. 10 billionaires and we'll be okay as in we just need it's people who are happy for us to be used as as play i think we probably need them um for a certain amount of time certainly while the league's kind of you know getting on its feet um, but eventually we need models that work profitability going forward and we need one of these guys to come in one of the richer guys to come in you know, or a board of a certain club to come up with ideas along with the FFA that make clubs profitable in their own right. Yeah,
1: we, you know, we've got to grow the crowds. You know, it's no good having ten billionaires propping up ten no. clubs and there being two thousand average home gate. That yeah, that's not football. You know, it's like um, you might as well just play it behind closed doors and turn it into a TV only sport. But um, yeah, so I, I think. You know, I do think we need to probably look further afield for for potential investors. Um, but I think you know, as we've seen in in other leagues, you know, we do need to do the due due diligence on these owners, and you know, and yes. this, you know, have some security that they're not just going to put the money in one season and, and disappear the next. And we, we we seem to have allowed people to do that locally, yeah. um, you know, with Don Matheson. So I, I'd, I'd be disappointed if we sort of just said right. Gate, gates are open; just throw your money in, because as quickly as they put it in, they can take it away. So, yeah. Dave Mitchell not happy with the glory review. Uh, the football director was axed from his role immediately um, after the internal in, independent review was scathing about his performance in the role. Um, I sort of I question this. Remember last week when we were talking about this, when we were saying, "Yeah, you know, why do you need an independent review?" But then, at, since then, I've actually been listening to some other podcasts, some business stuff. And they were talking about decision making and how decision making can be clouded by things like sunk costs, you know, like where there's that perception of I've I've put so much into this that, you know, I'm just going to stick with this and make it work. where, Where in actual fact, it's no nearer working than it was before you put all that money in yeah do you know what I mean and, and just because you've spent money doesn't mean you're actually going to get a better result if you stick with your current scenario whereas somebody else with a clean set of eyes would come in and go that isn't working that isn't working and that isn't working you get too
2: close to things yeah you do yeah, get too close much to of
1: them. an investment in it so I actually think you know and having read it you know I do think that it's probably a useful exercise for yeah. them to go through and uh, you know they've identified other areas so they were looking at areas like travel costs and venue costs um, Combining the training and administration facilities, and then the football division, so they've actually, I believe, made the role redundant of football director. They so, can be quite
2: clinical these reports, which is what you need. Sometimes, well, yeah, exactly. Um, did you say you were listening to a business podcast? Yes, mate. Is it some sort of a publisher's weekly podcast? What is no. it? Oh,
1: I'm listening. <laughs> I've, um, I've subscribed to a series of uh, lectures on decision making. Well wow. the various uh, factors and elements that go into successful decision-making. <laughs> Excellent. At a personal and an organisational level, mate. I'll well, enjoy I'm you looking want. forward to seeing a, you a, forward. Yeah, You'll see in the next publishing meet, mate. <laughs> I've got some pretty big decisions <laughs> to make. Uh, Robbie Cornthwaite has uh, flown out to Korea um, to finalise the deal to join Chun-Nam Dragons in the K-League on a two-year contract. Uh, one of the uh, ever-presents. There was this, there was a question. I think, it was... Um, Behind the goals on Twitter, put out a call for who were the only, um, like one club, A League players, as in that had played all six seasons at the same club, unbroken. And Robbie Cornforth was one. Right. Yeah. Can you name any others? No. Number seven.
2: Oh, well, oh, well, you mean players that have played for the same club? Yeah. The start. Unbroken. So, so, like Ar- so Archie and.
1: No, because Archie went to PSV. Oh,
2: uh, okay. Musket. He he started in the first season, was not he? Yes. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Um, Thompson moved on didn't he God I know it's hard, Matt Mackay, hard putting on the spot Matt yeah Madoka, yeah I suppose Brisbane Terry McFlynn
1: yep yeah. Lucas Pantelis yep there's another one uh, Norm Sekulofsky has done it but not been renewed for next year yeah so he's, <laughs>
2: he's hoping to join that yeah always okay. seems to play terribly whenever I sit down to, to watch Adelaide but I think he's quite a solid servant isn't he I've, I've spoken to a few Adelaide fans before and the, they don't mind him
1: yeah uh, Harry Kuehl was in the Sunday papers talking about uh, his modelling for politics but also talking about football and the fact that he's, uh, he's not thinking about retirement yet and uh, believes he's got it in him to go to a third world cup in 2014 And says that he believes he could play until he's forty. He's thirty-two at the moment.
2: Right. Okay. He might. He make up for some of that time he's been out injured. Keep playing until he's had an average length career. Um, I think a lot of the talk at the bottom of this was if he if he'd give us a year, like it was a charitable thing to do. If he would give us a year in the in the A League. Um, at some point, I don't think he'll do that until right to right at the very end, the final year.
1: Harry, Harry was typically, uh, you know, politically correct and, and non-committal in his in his quotes. I'll read you one of the quotes where he's talking about um, his career at Galatasaray expires at the end of the season. So on his club future, he said, "It's a patience game. You have to sit and wait, and the best thing you can do is concentrate on your job. Go out there every week in and week out and play good football." I wouldn't, you know, looking at whether he was coming back, to, would look at coming back to the A-League, I wouldn't say yes, and I wouldn't say no. I don't want to get ideas in people's heads, but I've always left it open. Well, that clears that up anyway. the right thing comes up and it was back in Australia, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. I love it. These guys are just so well-drilled, aren't they?
2: Yeah, exactly. We but, could probably take these answers. We don't waste our time speaking to them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that's all for uh, part two. We will be back in part three, and with the A-League coming to its conclusion this weekend... Uh, It's time for us to start looking further afield for these podcasts, Trev. So we are going to... Cobbling
2: these together for the next six months.
1: (laughs) So we are going to head over to the English Premier League, which has hotted up again with uh, some dubious form and defeats for the league leaders so we're going to look at all things Premier League after the break.
0: Visit Football Emporium on www.footballemporium.biz to see the largest selection of football merchandise and memorabilia in Australia. A real football shopping experience. Or why not pop in and visit them directly at 139 Victoria Road Dremoyne. Or simply call them on 1300 4 goals to find out what's new in the football world. Back to 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to this week's
1: 442 Insider podcast. We're going to turn our attention to the English Premier League, which is entering the home straight. Uh, ten and nine games to go, depending on which, how many your team has played. Uh, Trev, situation at the top. Man United played 29, 60 points. Arsenal played twenty eight, fifty seven. So a game in hand can take them level. Uh, Man City, 29, played 53 points, and Chelsea, 28, 51 points, and Spurs, 28, 48 points, and then there's a, another six-point gap back to Liverpool. Um, closest title race in years in the best league in the world, TM?
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, after Manu's last couple of results, it's wide open again. Because it was a sort of a, a strange title bid from Menu, because this is not one of the better Menu teams I've seen. It, you know, during the course of the Premier League, they're re- genuinely not that great. Their home form is great, which is they've they've won thirteen, drawn one, lost none. But they've only won four on the road. Menu. U. They're, yeah. they're re- genuinely not that. He drew a great lot of ro-
1: games on the road, didn't they? Yeah. They drawn eight.
2: Yeah, and that's how they kept that un- unbeaten record. But in terms of all the Menu teams that they've had, you know, from the. Beckhams and Van Nistelrooy the Ronaldo team for this team to go that long unbeaten um, it's quite interesting I read an interesting piece the other day saying about you know Tottenham not being this is a Tottenham fan so it wasn't so much critical of Tottenham but it was saying the only reason that you know, Tottenham are still in with the chase of the Champions League despite some pretty patchy results. It's because the top four you know, can't make up their mind. It's almost like no one wants to win the title. Like, no, no one's yeah. really grabbed it by the scruff of the neck like we've seen with, with Man U, Arsenal, Chelsea in recent years.
1: Well, I mean, Man U have lost three now, having gone so so mm. many games undefeated. They've lost, what, three in the last four, I think it is?
2: Yeah, including the way to
1: Wolves. Yeah, and then you look at Arsenal have lost five. Man City have lost uh, six, and mm-hmm. Chelsea have lost seven.
2: Well, I think Arsenal have lost four by mid-December. And generally, you can only lose three or four all season. Yeah. But, you know, they've carried on, and Arsenal's still in a great position. They win their game in hand 3-0. Then they'll, uh, they'll go above Man U or possibly 4-0. But there's three-goal difference between them.
1: And a resurgent Liverpool... Um Obviously, beat Man United three-two uh, on Sunday that we watched through bleary eyes in the on the last mm. latter stages. In the yeah, pub. Sort of Man um, Man. You know, deserved win. You know, no doubt about that. Coit um, with a hat trick, um, although it's a bit of a scrappy hat trick. It's always
2: going to be an ugly hat trick from him, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: um, certainly, since Dalgliesh has come in, new lease of life for Liverpool. I mean, they're, they're going to struggle to catch Spurs. Uh, six points gap But you know Sixth place From where they were Under Hodgson Yeah Is a phenomenal turnaround Under Dalglish Well
2: let's not forget that They were They were in a relegation fight Earlier in the season They were they were in the zone And they were a couple of points Above it for For a fair amount of time So for them now To be thinking There's, there's an outside chance Of fifth And still mathematically A, a chance of making Champions League That's obviously not going to happen But yeah it's a, it's a pretty incredible turnaround And um, They haven't even had Carroll Back in the side,
1: yeah, for he years. came on as a sub in against Man United. Yeah, you know, and got S- a great reception. But I mean, Suarez, how yeah. good has he been?
2: And he's not, he's nowhere near fully fit, from they're saying. Tell
1: you what, I I had my doubts about him because you know, and you've seen we have seen players who have been very successful in Holland, you know, the likes of Kesman come over and struggle. Yeah. You always wonder about the, the jumping class, but obviously he had a very good World Cup, so it's shown that he can do it at that level. But again, World Cups aren't always the best indicator mm. on a, on a you know. Subsequent club career, but he looks the business, doesn't he? Just so Incredible positive,
2: touch. really, really hard working. Yeah. You know, he's straight in favour of the Liverpool fans because you know he's non-stop, um, and he's going to hustle himself a certain amount of goals each season. But he was making the comments that he's not fully fit, hasn't settled yet, and uh, you know we've got to wait to see how how he gets on with Carroll. But I see no reason why those two wouldn't work up front together in, in terms of what types of player they are. Um, so yeah, Liverpool. I mean, the, the the race for the top four this season's been interesting. Um, it's going to be even more interesting next season because I think you can throw Liverpool right back in the yeah. chance of making the Champions League. And what
1: struck out for me is the fact that you know you know you you look at little things to see like what's going on behind the scenes. One thing that I think has been very significant is the fact that Steven Gerrard has allowed Suarez to take free kicks in and around the box. Yeah. So that suggests to me that. In training, Gerard is seeing that this guy is something special, yeah. and to go, yeah, you know, for so long him being the main man, you know, how many free kicks has he yeah. scored in his time, and and he's relinquished that responsibility to Suarez, which I think is uh, is very telling, you know, and uh, and fair play to Gerard if that's the case. Um, let's talk just briefly Carragher's tackle on Nani, yeah, should have been a red.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a shocker, isn't it? Really. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, and these
2: uh, are big losses. he's going to be out for a few weeks and they really need him now so.
1: yeah and another player that seems to be uh, getting a bit of a reputation and, and I would say as well was was lucky to stay on was Raphael um, yeah he, he seems he's to,
2: he's narky isn't he he's one of those little he's narky
1: and he, he he seems to have a drop of red mist you know yeah. he's like he's one of those players where something happens and for the next 30 seconds he's a liability until yeah. he, he actually calms down again so, um, yeah.
2: so that's four bookings in stoppage time in the first half
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, kicked off. Uh, all right, now that's the top. Arguably, far more interesting. Far more interesting now down the on. bottom, <laughs> where with with nine games and ten games to go, there is wow six points between ninth and eighteenth. Yep, that is phenomenal. You know, yeah. so teams that are in eighth and ninth are by no means safe yet.
2: And, and one thing I would say, I mean, I'm not just saying this because I'm a West Ham fan, but West Ham and Wolves look greatly improved in recent weeks, and, and could have both have strong finishes. So that's that's two spots there that, um, you know, Wigan aren't out of it. Wigan have got the ability to pick up strange results against good teams. So any of the bottom three, not like last season where Portsmouth were long gone and yeah. there's only two places up for grabs. Um, you know, any of only those bottom three will will look to scrape their way out of it, and anyone down there, you know, there's only ten, you know, ten games remaining or nine games remaining for pretty much people down there. You go on a horror run, you know, you Mate, go. I must on admit, a real real as a Villa fan,
1: I'm still very <laughs> nervous about this. We've yeah. got Wolves at home, having just lost to Bolton. Yeah. Away, you know, Bolton having a good season, but again, we were leading that game. You know, yeah, we we must we must have given away more points from winning positions I think than any other team and that concerns me when we're going to come up against teams like Wolves who are fighting for their lives and well, two or three more games and we could be right in that mixer.
2: I did have a little look at your running though and it's it's pretty
1: easy. You've... Yeah but easy as in what? As in playing these teams here that are all fighting and could leapfrog us. Well
2: West Ham well, we've got we've hosted you aren't we? We're yeah. Home to Villa which would be a massive game but West Ham I think our next four games are Tottenham Manchester United Manchester City and Chelsea you don't want to play those four you know I'd rather go head to head scrap with someone down there than have to have a go have a say in the title race
1: uh, Villa are two points clear of relegation at the moment so I'm certainly not breathing easy and they always talk about the magical 40 points has been that you know only the team's seventh and above have got 40 points at the moment yeah (laughs) you know so very very uh, tight down the bottom there and uh, I think yeah this is one of those seasons where I think at the bottom, if not at the top, it's all going to come down for a couple of teams on the last day.
2: Yeah, which, I've, uh, I've had a little look at, at Stoke to go down at 14 to one, which is quite long odds. Yeah, and they've got a horror run. West Ham have got a horror run, and I think that might seal our fate unless we can pull off a couple of shock results. But Stoke have got a really tough run of results as well. So, yeah, that, someone to get dragged in. So, someone from from the guys that are sitting comfortably in the middle of the table at the moment will get dragged in. I have a few fears for Blackpool. Even though they've got a good result against Tottenham, I I think that... I'm not just saying that because they're a new team and they're Blackpool. I I just think that that'll be tough for them going into the last nine games.
1: Well, this weekend sees uh, Spurs host West Ham. uh, Villa host Wolves. Blackburn host Blackpool. uh, Man United host Bolton, which is by no means a foregone conclusion. Stoke host Newcastle. West Brom host Arsenal. Wigan-Birmingham is a big game down the bottom. Everton-Fulham. And then on Sunday, Sunderland host Liverpool. Uh, and probably the biggest game of the weekend, Chelsea Man City. Sure.
2: that's next weekend, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's the FA Cup this week. Uh, of course, it's yeah. Um, and then yeah, the, the following week it's it's back into the league. Um, yeah, so just, that's
1: the weekend after next. Obviously, FA Cup due to this weekend's FA Cup quarterfinals. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, whereas so that's Manu Arsenal involved in that as well so Arsenal who went from we might win four tournaments <laughs> to, could end up being just in the chance of the league by the, by the end maybe of the that's weekend. what they
1: need you know yeah, game that- in hands and three points maybe uh, maybe that focus on right this is it maybe that's what they need to uh, to focus their attention for the next uh, sort of seven or eight weeks yes I hope so alright well we're going to be following the uh, the Premier League running at the top and at the bottom over the next few weeks once the A-League finishes so uh we'll follow that and see how it transpires so That's all for Part 3. We will be back in the final part of this week's 442 Insider
0: Podcast to preview the Grand Final. The new issue of 442 is now on sale and it's a Master and Apprentice special with worldwide exclusive interviews with Messi and Maradona and look at whether Messi can be called the greatest ever yet. We also catch up with local heroes Matt McKay at Patricio Perez and look back on the Socceroos Asian Cup campaign in pictures. We take you to London for the inside story of Aussie and Kiwi hopefuls taking part in Nikes the chance initiative and take a look at whether tactics are overrated in football plus the regular planet football and performance section with additional video and photo features in the ipad edition on sale now at all good news agents or the app store the latest on the world game this is 442 insider
1: hello welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 insider podcast now our attention is turning north to brisbane that will be the centre of the A League uh, this Sunday with the grand final. Now, let's just, first of all, I, I understand there's there's, less, there's around 5,000 tickets yep, uh, uh, only available, heard. which looks like we're on track to uh, for a 50,000 or 52,000 sellout, which would be fantastic. Um, and, you know, again, allays the fears that the FFA got the pricing wrong. Looks yep. like that was pretty unfounded. And exactly.
2: But the people who are saying that have, have changed their story now, claiming on no, no. I still think it's overpriced we're now ripping people off no no their main concern was that it wouldn't sell out and cheaper tickets would so no as we said there was nothing wrong with the pricing it's the way it always has been and it looks like they'll get a especially with the most expensive tickets gone so it's just the the cheap tickets which are likely to appeal to the, the people that are going to snap them up you know at the end or closest to kick-off. So, yeah, I can see it sell out.
1: Yeah, and homegrown rock band Regurgitator will play a 15-minute set prior to kick-off. Trev, you're a Regurgitator fan?
2: No, I'll be honest, I've never even heard of them.
1: No, not me. <laughs> it's one for kids, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not a big rock aficionado, so Regurgitator went straight over my head. But uh, I'm sure it'll be great for the kids up there. Um, now, it's obviously moved to the Sunday uh, because there's a uh, NOL. Game on the Friday night. The Brisbane Broncos, ironically, play the North Queensland Cowboys yeah. um, on Friday. So, uh, so I think I guess it's probably gives gives the FFA time to get the ship activations ready yeah. and all of that, and shame, watch though. the NOL markings off the pitch and yeah. give it give the pitch a day to recover. Mm. I'd much rather see it played on a better surface than um and and yeah. let's be fair, the surface that has been voted the best in the in the A League. Yeah. give it a day to recover, get the roller on it.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean it's far more important the service is good. It, speaking selfishly, um, it's a shame it's not on a Saturday because I'd, I'd far prefer
0: prefer yeah. that.
1: All right, let, let's let's talk about the game. Let, let, let's talk psychologically for starters. Trev, um, Brisbane will be trying desperately to approach this just like any other game because yeah. they haven't lost for twenty eight, just other just like other games. However, you know it's not just another game, is it? They're going to run out in front of a bigger crowd than most of these players have ever played in front of. Um, The Mariners, Arnie has cleverly been very happy to adopt the underdog tag. Pressure's all on Brisbane, more pressure than ever before. How do you think they're going to deal with that psychologically? Let's take Brisbane first.
2: Yeah, I I think Brisbane have have shown all season that they've got really, really good mental strength, especially when they've gone behind. I've seen them go behind and they haven't panicked. They've been confident that they can get themselves into it. And I think that's never going to be more important because if Central Coast can get themselves the opening goal and then, you know, Arnie's right, the pressure will be on Brisbane. Um, you'll be thinking, you know, we've got all the way here. We've got a sell-out crowd. You know, this is, a, this is a massive deal for us. We've got to get back into it. But the style of play they have, the sort of patient, patient approach and, and the way that... Um, and them prepared, I, I still think that, that Brisbane will be going in feeling confident, not feeling, oh, I'm worried we're going to cock this up at the last hurdle.
1: Yeah. And the Mariners, on the other hand, uh, as you said, you know, happy to take the underdog status. That's probably where they've been all season, really. Yeah, you know. Like we, sued, we were getting some grief, you know, and probably rightly from the Mariners fans earlier in the season, the podcast, you know, we weren't paying them enough attention and they sort of, Flew under the radar a bit until that sort of final sort of it's month what? of the season, six weeks of the season when they really sort of consolidated second. And
2: they've flown under the radar since the start of the league though, haven't they? True, True. Like-
1: they're one of those teams that you, you look at their roster and you look and at the start of the season no one ever really tips them to do anything, but they're consistently there. It's their mm. third grand, third grand, grand final, final. Right? is it can they win one? You know, mentally do they have to get over that the fact that you know not just happy to be there syndrome, you know, it's yeah. like, it, 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 it's, there's another game to go, it's like get, taking the fans to another grand final and losing.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's quite a different set of players and a different coach, so I don't think they'll carry, you know, the baggage from that. I think Arnie will, will be focusing on the underdog thing, focusing on the fact that they've, they've been to, to Suncourt recently, um, you know, and took the lead and, and matched Brisbane pretty much f- through the majority of the game. Um, yeah, I, I you know, it's an interesting bat in the psychological one but I don't think the Central Coast will will hold any fears that, you know, they didn't top the table, they fell just short in the, the two-legged playoff but they can just go and play without fear, can't they? So they let, let's
1: talk about that game two weeks ago, uh, the two-all draw and obviously the Mariners sort of rocked Brisbane by taking the two-all lead and cancelling it out for a period. Obviously Brisbane came back. What will the, obviously the Mariners will take heart from that because they drew that game, they drew the game at Suncorp um, but, you know, do they look at that and think, well, we gave it everything and we were mm-hmm. tuning up and we still didn't win? Or do they say, right, we've learnt enough from that about how to beat this lot and we can do it this time?
2: Yeah, and also, if I was on I'd be saying, let's not forget the first leg, which we lost 2-0. But we still had good periods of the game, we were all over them. And, and if those sort of chances went the other side of the post, we'd probably be hosting the grand final. So there's nothing to suggest in those sort of two games they played each other that Brisbane are just going to canter past them. I think it'd be close.
1: Okay, Um, I mean, let's let's look at you know some individuals now. I mean, who who on the Mariners side? Let's take the Mariners first. Who are the key people on the Mariners side? You know, for them to have a chance at this, who who has to play well? Yeah, I mean, who has to play? you know for starters I mean there's still injury cloud over Perez who came off in the preliminary final looked like a hamstring yeah um you know again hamstrings are those things that you know you'll never really know until you sprint for that first ball
2: Mm. and he's a match winner isn't he and the the only good thing you say about Mariners that in in Amini that they've got one who's arguably equally good just a little bit less experience yeah so I don't think that Mariners fans will be that upset if, if Perez doesn't make it um so they have got what I like about the Mariners is they've got that sort of few players that that could, that are match winners that can do something special and and get you the points. But also they've got a real spine of solid players. You know, you know, like Matt Simon, sort of the battering ram at the front, and a very solid defence that will keep things tight.
1: Yeah, I mean Matt Ryan. You know, was talked sort of about young player of the year. Had a great preliminary final. Um, he certainly won't have played in front of fifty odd thousand before. No. Um, you know, he he needs to carry that confidence that he showed in the final 10 minutes into yeah. this. Um, otherwise, you know, that could be a potential weak spot for the Mariners.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think sometimes some young player people overstate how nervous young players can get because a lot of 18-year-olds just think they're bulletproof. And, you know, they have that confidence of youth and they just think, oh, no, I'm going to be absolutely fine. Though he's probably not overthinking it. He's probably looking forward to going out and enjoying the game. So, no, I, I don't think he'll, he'll be a... a, a Weak link at all for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, probably you'd, you'd probably pick out you know, two players for me that will have to have exceptional games uh, for the Mariners to to probably execute the game plan, which they tr- which they did successfully in that first in the, in the game, which was to try and push Brisbane back and pressurize Brisbane yeah. high up the pitch. Is uh, is Josh Rose and Pengebovic the fullbacks? Yeah, really needs to. You know they need to be resting all week because they're going to run for ninety minutes forwards and backwards. And yeah. I think you know, do you see them being able to do that for the for the for the periods of play that is necessary for Mariners to get that sort of foothold?
2: Yeah, considering the event and, and what's on offer, yeah, I can. Um, the thing is about about the Mariners' playing style. Um, I think the Brisbane playing style is more predictable, but that doesn't mean you can stop it. But it's been it like could, Barcelona, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, know what I mean, you're going to get. Not
1: comparing but... Brisbane with <laughs> Barcelona, anyone? But what is mean is that you know how Barcelona are going to yeah. play, and you've. It's a, a test of whether you're good enough to stop it.
2: Yeah. Know? Um yeah, but with the Mariners that they can probably be slightly more adaptable and, and how they're gonna stop that. Um yeah, Rose, we've been speaking about him all year, haven't we? Big big fan of his and he he could be the difference, couldn't
1: he? Yeah, and Svans Feig at the back, you know, you'd say one of the league's better,
2: you know. Yeah, although the, you
1: know, what's interesting is that the Raw don't often don't line up with a sort of centre forward in a traditional no. sense. You know, they have a you know with with and and you know Barbarossa playing in advanced position they they don't really play with a target man no. very similar to Barcelona they don't really have that sort of big target man that they look for so does that make it more difficult for someone like fansf you know who who am I picking up here you know, well, yeah. argentina as well they they don't play you know they'll often have Messi out wide and Tevez out wide and and the two central defenders are not actually marking anyone and sometimes that leaves central defenders a little bit lost because they're used to grabbing hold of someone's shirt and being tight to them.
2: Yeah, well, it pulls players out of position. They're unsure if, you know, do I go with a man or do I stay in there? area? But if you go with a man, like it says, it pulls you out of shape. If you stay in shape, then you've got a set of players who can pass the ball very well, pick out, you know, a killer pass. Um, and you could be in a lot of trouble. So it's not going to be easy for them, is it?
1: All right. So for Brisbane, um, let, let's look at Brisbane Roar. I mean, who has to, who has to deliver for Brisbane to win this game? Well, you,
2: you know, the two runners up for the awards, you know, Mackay and Brush, that they're, they're going to be essential. They've been important all season, so they can't afford to have an off day. A bit like Fabregas had a shocker against Barca, didn't he? And you saw how much that affected Arsenal's play across. Hey, did you see his, um, Fabregas's uh, tweet? Yeah. Worst game I've
1: ever played, I apologise to everyone. Take full responsibility. Yeah,
2: which was an incredibly frank uh, tweet. So yeah, they they need their their regulars to sort of play well, but they've got such good attacking depth, haven't they, Brisbane, that even if things aren't working or they pick up a knock, they've got someone who can come on and make a difference.
1: Yeah, so yeah, they've got Mitch Nichols. they've got Barbaroussis, they've got Broich. they've got Solorzano, you know, Enrique has got the the goal um, in injury time to to get the two-all draw. Okay, um... All right, and the battle of the coaches, yes, the two Aussies, Andrew Arnie.
2: Yeah, as we had a point out the other day, two um, two scholars of the uh, the coaches. They've both got their A badges now, haven't they? In yeah, they're, they're f- fully skilled up, and they're the kind of guys that the FFA want to see come through. So if they can take the the national job one day, um, yeah, I mean, I always find I'm not sure how good of mates they are. I'm not claiming they're enemies, but I know like Arnie's made a few sort of you know mind game comments, and Andy's made sort of a few rebuttal comments about how it's all rubbish, all this mind game stuff. Um, I think they're both just really competitive, talented Australian coaches, aren't they? Yeah. They cannot wait to get you know, one over, over each other. And you're saying he's, he's never lost a grand final, as either as a player, as
1: or, coach player or a it, coach. He corrected Simon Hill, didn't yeah. Simon Hill, <laughs> At the awards, He corrected yeah. him and said, no, it's actually four. And like, and you sort of, you, that's where you get an insight into their competitiveness, for, behind all yeah. of the... The facade and the media training. We can comment comments. No, so. like, yeah, but then deep down, they are ultra, ultra competitive. This is so. his
2: fifth grand final, and he doesn't plan to have the feeling of what it's like to lose one.
1: All right, we've talked through it. Oof, it's time to line. do an incorrect prediction. The Trevor Trahan prediction <laughs> for the grand <damn> final. <laughs> the, last
2: day, the last day of day league one of the year is 1-0 Brisbane. In 90 minutes? In 90 minutes, yeah. I think it'll be 0-0 at half-time, and I think at some point in the second half they'll... Uh, that they'll find a gap, or there'll be a mistake, or it just be a good little passage of play, um, and they'll get themselves in front. They'll hold on to ball, on the ball for large, large periods after that and see it out. So, yeah, I I, I don't think it's. I always say it's about finals, and it's normally right. I don't think it's going to be a classic final because they very very rarely are. Um, but yeah, I think Brisbane home advantage. They've not been unbeaten that long through luck. They've deserved to be unbeaten for that long. Um, they'll they'll do just enough.
1: You gonna go something controversial? I'm torn. I I either think that Brisbane are gonna come out and really turn it on, yeah, and everything's gonna click in front of fifty thousand people, and they're gonna run out easy winners, yeah, you know, three or four nil. Or on the other hand, I think it will be, you know, a real arm wrestle, you know, extra time and penalties. I just think it's like it's gonna be one of those extremes. So, but I think I'm gonna go for extra time. Yeah. I think I'm going to go Haven't for... we predicted that so much? For no, the fans, no. Well, that, but that's, that's the only thing. Like, you know, none of the games have really gone to extra time and penalties yet. So, I've got, a, I've got a sneaking feeling it could be penalties. And then when you get to penalties, that mental strength, you know, it's like... So, can I go for the Mariners on penalties? Oof. I don't know. Well, not that's paying. You can do. Well, I mean, let's have a look, actually. Let's have a look what Sporting Bet have got uh, I mean, for no... the game. This is a 90-minute odds. Brisbane are... to win in 90 minutes, and the the Mariners are $4.80. The
2: Mariners are all right there, aren't they?
1: That's a value bet, that, I tell you. And uh, the draw is $3.40, which to me is the value bet. Yeah, you know, one or two all after ninety minutes. Nil, nil after ninety minutes.
2: And draw or Mariners have have a bit of both. They uh, be...
1: Over or under two and a half goals is pretty much toss a coin. It's a dollar ninety-five over and a dollar eighty under. So they're predicting. You know, they're saying likelihood is less than two and a half goals. Sounds about right. In ninety minutes, so one all could be the
2: uh... I'm very if half a goal scored as well.
1: Okay, well. We will see who is right when we get back next week and that will be our uh, final wrap-up of the A-League season before we then turn our attention to Europe. So, look, if you're going to the game, have a fantastic day to all the Brisbane fans and Central Coast Mariners fans. Enjoy your day get behind your team, and uh, we'll all be watching uh, watching from wherever we are around the country with a beer in hand and enjoying what we hopefully will be a fitting end to a, a fantastic season. So we'll, uh, we'll be back to wrap it all up next week. Thanks for joining us.
0: 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.